Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 615 Sessions podcast on this beautiful Friday afternoon here in Middle Tennessee. We're happy to have you. We are also pleased to be joined by our wonderful panel of informed and insightful guest co-host today to my right, Joe Rexrode, again in bed for reasons that are beyond me. Below me, below me for only this podcast, Teron Davenport, TD, the main man, and Paul Kaharski of paulkaharski.com, Avengers Assemble. How are we living, boys? Looks like Hollywood Squares almost. <laughs> Got a point to each other. Yeah, you're, I think you're you're kind of like Radar from MASH. He was on that a lot, wasn't he, Paul? <laughs> you're kind of like Charles Nelson Riley. There we go. I think that's more than – is that the more, the MASH game? Buck has no yeah, idea what we're talking back. about. Yeah, I, can't I, I can't do this many dated references for an entire podcast with the two of yeah. you, much, much less. Thank God Teron is that's here. That's why you didn't invite Glennon. He's got all these references. TD gets the references. He's smart enough to know that the audience doesn't get the references. But gentlemen, we are here. It says you, easy for you to say. We're here to talk about the new head coach, gave a press conference yesterday. Um, We learned a variety of different things. A lot of questions were answered. How they'll implement it remains to be seen. Um, But I guess we'll go counterclockwise. Rex Road, why don't you start? What was their biggest takeaway from Brian Callahan's introductory press conference yesterday you know what's amazing is it was what uh, about 26 hours ago you would think that at one i even asked pk that on on the show this morning and i i don't really have a good answer what was my biggest takeaway you know i liked brian callahan i thought he had a lot of good answers i liked the i like the quote you always have enough scheme i just i like that quote um i like the quick answers on communication you know direct communication uh, lay out the, I think TD, you asked him about, right? You were asking about pushing guys, how he got fiery uh, at one point last year, but usually doesn't do that. I thought that was a good answer. Um, I like the stuff about, I'm just going to go through all my favorites, and then you guys can just. Sure, you know, just take everything. Yeah, Don't leave any meat on the bone. It's okay. Yeah. I, one, one last thing. I did like, I really liked the answer he gave talking about, you know, sitting in Gruden's room and it's like, yeah, dude, like, okay, a 14 year old, I'm not sitting there like prepping for my career, but it is interesting. You think about all this stuff you absorb if you're a guy like that who lives this life. And uh, I thought that was interesting too. So there's a few of my favorites, Buck. TD? Yeah, for me, I would say when he talked about accountability, and that was something I asked, just like, how do you know when it's the right time? Or how do you balance that accountability between the coach and the players? And understanding that if you're not coaching it, you're allowing it. And I like what he said about making it clear and concise that this is the standard. And if that standard is not met, we're going to get somebody else to do it. I thought that was really good. And it reminded me of something I remember in college. My coach used to tell the bum players, he was like, I'm going to tolerate you till I can replace you. And it kind of goes like hand in hand. 
the bum players. PK, you got any bum <laughs> players you want to call out before you get to your favorite? Your favorite oh, I got a long right? list of bum players, but that's that's for another day. I, I'll I'll go more thematic since Joe took the summarized the whole press conference. There was very little to no equivocation, uh, and you know I even looked up equivocation because the definition is better than the word. There was no deliberate evasiveness in wording, right? He didn't couch everything uh, with 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 something, you know. Uh, uh, you know, well, I'll say something about the pass game, but I got to guard myself here by by saying something about the run game. Uh, I'm going to say something about the the defense, but I got to guard myself or cover my ass with this or with that. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't operating in a protect myself or cover so that three months from now, somebody can't come back and say, but you said, uh, you know, he just spoke candidly and, and frankly on the issues at the time. And if somebody comes back to him and, and something changes, he could say, well, three months ago, uh, you know, the circumstances were what they were three months ago and things have changed, which logical people say, instead of covering everything right now so that you're protected under all circumstances. Well, the only, the only time guys that I felt like we caught him backpedaling at all, is he said, he, he said he might, it sounded like he might've made contact with Will Levis prior to officially getting the job, which I think is probably a no, no, as far as he did say a few days ago, didn't he? He That's good. Uh, That, 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 that perked my radar beyond, you know, his, his comments on protection, which uh, I know Teron wants to, uh, to emphasize a little later. On in the show, for me, I, you know, I thought Nick Suss a- asked a great question about what he learned during the downtimes in Cincinnati. Because this, you know, I don't know how how the four of us feel about it collectively. We haven't really talked about it amongst, amongst ourselves. I know that the three of you uh, were on the, the Robbie and Rex Road show this morning on 102.5. Um, so I don't know if this came up. But that this is, there's, there's going to be a little bit of a runway here. But not a ton, because the ownership has put significant expectations on a franchise that needs to be elevated, right? From not really factoring to, all right, you're competitive under Mike Malarkey, from competitive to regular uh, playoff appearances under Vrabel, and now they're looking for whatever the next step might uh, might have for them, how they're going to elevate not just the, the, the profile, but the level of competitiveness of the product that they're putting out there. And I thought that Suss asked him a good question about the downtimes in Cincinnati, and what he kind of learned from that, because this is a franchise voice that's that's down bad after the last couple of years on on a great many levels. And the, and the hiring of, of Brian Callahan, PK, does not solve all of their problems, but it is a step in the direct in the correct direction. I think we can all agree about where modern day NFL play is going and that everything that they do moving forward, at least for while Will Levis is on his rookie contract, needs to be done in service of that quarterback. Yeah, and, and he talked about, uh, you know, the dark days in Cincinnati. These are not as dark days. I mean, things are bad for the Titans, but I guarantee, and maybe I'll look at it next week, um, the team he's inheriting is better than the team Zach Taylor inherited going into Cincinnati where they endured two two really bad years before going to the Super Bowl in the third year. And I'm not saying the Titans are going to the Super Bowl anytime soon, but this is a six-win team that, um, you know, was did not have a talented roster, but now with salary cap and, and draft should be able to get a framework of talent in place 
that should be, I think, substantially better than Zach Taylor's first-year Bengals were. And Zach Taylor's first-year Bengals didn't have a quarterback solution either. So you're starting out with much more promise at, at quarterback. So the starting points for those two teams, talking about the dark days, uh, these days should should have some sunlight to them in comparison. So with that, Teron, uh, why don't you, for, for the audience, cue up the next clip that we're or the first clip that we're going to play for them, given that this roster is in, in a state of uh, disrepair, that they're going to have to do a variety of different things to correct it, that offensive line was was is, is and was something that we are going to continue to focus on. Yeah, the offensive line, I mean, it all starts in the trenches, and that's the key there to having a successful offense. But that wasn't necessarily the case in, in Cincinnati. And you look at when they had the number five pick, they've decided not to go O-line, and they went with the playmaker, the guy who could – as uh, he expressed on, on the show this morning with PK and Rex Road, the guy who could, you know, make the plays on the outside and, and, you know, beat coverage. And I think that's something that you want. So at the same time, you still have to find a way to be successful while you have problems up front. And that's something that they were able to do. Yeah, I know nine sacks in the game here. But the fact of the matter is when a play had to be made, Jamar Chase got open, he caught the ball, and he set up the game-winning field goal. So – you do have to find a way to, to circumvent the situation. The Titans offensive line, I mean, we know Andre Dillard's probably not going to be here. Uh, Aaron Brewer is probably not going to start at center. You know, so there's a little bit of changeover, but you still have to work with what you have. And so he was asked about how to uh, approach the offensive line and how it, it's a problem. And his answer was really good because he – didn't focus it just on the O-line. Receivers have to get open quicker. The quarterback at times will have to throw the ball quicker. And we saw those deficiencies in addition to the terrible offensive line play here with the Titans. So I thought it was a really good answer. Why don't we hear from the man himself? This was new Titans head coach Brian Callahan at the press conference of which we were all in attendance. That and how much schematically can you fix that? Um, there's a lot of things that go into protection. Um, some of it starts with as simple as uh, you got to go win. Uh, you got to win versus tight coverage. Um, protection is, a, is an everybody problem. Uh, the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball on time. Uh, they have to work through progressions quickly. Um, so to say that it's a, it's a specifically the offensive line needs to fix the protection problem, I, I don't agree with that. Um, I think it's a, it's a holistic offensive issue uh, if you have protection problems. And there's a lot of ways you can uh, help weaknesses, um, highlight strengths, and Everybody's involved in the process. Um, as far as profiles of offensive linemen and players, you know, obviously you're looking for for those the guys that are great at pass pro. Um, you're looking for guys that can anchor, guys that got great length. Um, you know, we'll talk about all the traits at a later date. But um, schematically, you can help a ton. You can chip. You can bang edges. Um, backs got to be fantastic in pass protection. They got to know who to block and how to block them. Um, so it's it's a it's a holistic offensive issue. And so our job is to find a way to make sure everyone knows all the specifics of what we're trying to get done, and then they can technically go execute it. Some of those specific traits. Excuse me? So that's 100. It is a holistic issue, and he's going to get to know the personnel better. But somebody with the Titans at some point needs to say, we need better offensive linemen. No? The holistic, uh, the holistic problem starts with the fact that the left tackle can't block. You got to get open on this route on this specific play, but on every pass play, 
The left tackle needs to block better. The center needs to block better. Probably three offensive linemen who aren't on the team need to be substantially better players than the players that they fielded the last two years. So holistic, schmolistic to a degree. Start with three better offensive linemen. Then, then work on the secondary thing. To your point, you do need better players. And that's something, obviously, they're going to have to address in the first couple rounds. I think if you look at it, though, schematically, you can work some things in order to get guys open quicker. I know Kyle Phillips was a sore spot for a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is he's probably their best separator, right? We love DeAndre Hopkins, but he wasn't used right, uh, Phillips, that is. So you start going bunch formation, right? Three receivers, switch release and different things. Watch watch this weekend. Watch the the, the 49ers on third downs or even you, you watch the Lions. Watch the Lions on third downs and how they do stuff and take advantage. Amonra St. Brown with those choice routes. So many times it's like release. If it's, if it's man, this is your route. If it's zone, this is your route. Read it. Jared Goff is going to read it too and we're going to get the ball to you. So I think, you know, there is something that can be said about working around the offensive line, but here's the thing. This offensive line was so bad that you take the play sheet, you cut half of it off because you can't use it if you don't have enough time. Well, Rex, they bring up up Kyle Phillips as as a part of the solution, and it it just makes me think, like, about what percentage of this roster actually matters moving forward, right? We know that the contracts expire on uh, the second week of March when the new league year starts. But for dudes uh, like Christian Fulton, for example, who clearly ran afoul of Mike Vrabel, uh, for guys like uh, Kyle Phillips, who – you know, their decision, I understood it on on making him a healthy scratch a couple of times when they're trying to get Traylon Burks ramped up because if the dude can't play special teams, then you can't have three wide receivers who just don't contribute on special teams on your 48. But, like, how much of this is a fresh start for players who exist here um, and open up the idea of, of bringing back players who we might thought or we might have thought didn't have a chance to come back? Tear tart, back to the Titans, baby. Uh, no, that's that's Shit, an interesting point. <laughs> no, that is a good point, Buck. Like Christian Fulton, right? Like, I mean, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, we'll see where he ends up. I I don't know that there will be interest to to bring him back from the you know from the folks who were left here. But I I know that right. Like we pretty much know with Vrabel as coach, yeah, he's probably gonna be somewhere else, right? So that is an interesting point. Actually, I want to change my first answer. I want to, my favorite part. Oh, for God's sakes. My biggest oh. takeaway was when Brian Callahan was asked about receivers and he, he went right to the run game. And guess who I thought about, Buck? You know who I thought Me. about, right? Well, I thought about NWI. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, TD. Yeah, number two uh, but, receiver for Brian Callahan. <laughs> hey, he, he might be able to work some magic with with uh but I, in all seriousness i know we joke about nwi i'm with td nobody's joking of- about nwi except for you you're the only reason <laughs> this nwi joke still happens that's all part of my brand too along with sitting on the bed doing a podcast but god you know i I'm, i've been with td the whole way and taking a lot of crap for it too about kyle phillips because i i have always thought like I, this guy can help you you know so i don't it'll be interesting to see like with him in particular what brian Cal- brian callahan thinks there but yeah, probably is a new little bit, of, a little bit of a way of looking at things for some of these guys who we thought were basically afterthoughts. So uh, with that, let's let's talk about a guy who uh, came up on your guys' show this morning, Derrick Henry. The idea uh, he's he's anything but an afterthought. He's the most important player to play for the franchise 
Um, since I, I don't know who who would you say, Kaharski? Who's who's the most important player since Derrick Henry to play for this franchise? Well, he's the most important player since since McNair and Eddie George. And uh, maybe, you know, the league's changed a lot since those two guys played. So the popularity of the whole thing is expanded, like the universe is expanding. So he's probably the uh, I think he's certainly the biggest player that's played for the team and not just size wise, uh, importance wise, star power wise. Absolutely. So he is on an expiring contract. Again, he's under contract until the, the new league year begins in March. And it sounds based on your guys' exchange with him this morning on 102.5 The Game uh, that he is expected to test the market. But this was new Titans coach Brian Callahan speaking with Joe and Paul about the idea of Derrick Henry in the future as a Titan. Looking at Derrick Henry, obviously one of the all-time great players uh, in this franchise's history, free agent. He's going to go find out what's out there and all that stuff. But how would a, a player like Derrick Henry fit into what you like to do offensively, if he would? Yeah, I think I think a player like Derrick Henry fits in every offense. You know, um, he's been he's been a remarkable player. Uh, he's been the face of the franchise here for a long time. Um, and when you think of the Tennessee Titans, you know, you think of Derrick Henry and. Uh, he's earned that, and look, if if he uh, is open to to a return, that that fits for us. Like, I'm never going to say no to good players, um, and I know that he's been a, an incredible leader in this building as well, which which also carries a lot of weight. And so, uh, you can find ways to use every player. Um, there's no offensive system that that would say I don't like to have Derrick Henry here. <laughs> I, I certainly think he's. He's got some gas left in the tank too, and so we'll see where that goes. I know he's gonna he's he's uh, gonna hit the market probably and try to see what's out there for him. But um, you know, I, I would never say no to, to a player like that um, if they would like to return here and it fits for us. So I just think he's he's such a fantastic person on top of it, and he's he's meant so much to the city that uh, I would never I would never just dismiss that. Okay, so Tehran, like there, so you're saying there's a chance, but schematically, the how how realistic is this? Because I and and he just gave us a press conference where he talked about you know making things work with the personnel that they've got. This is not a personnel problem that he really has to solve, though, unless they really want to, and unless they figure out a deal that makes the most sense for the both of them. But from what you know of Brian Callahan's system and the system that he comes from with previous coaching experience. Is Derrick Henry actually viable here? Absolutely. I think he's viable. And we talked about that this morning. You look at at times, you know, they go 12 personnel and they run the football, you know, shoot a shoe, put the ball down the opposing team's throat. Joe Mixon has had some pretty productive years. And Mixon, he's not the same back as Henry, but he's very similar to where he's a volume back. You want to give him the ball multiple times to get him effective and get him in a groove. And Henry, you know, you have minus one yard, you have a two-yard run, and then next thing you know, you have a 50-yard run, and the, the stat sheet looks good, right? So there is some to that. And remember, Callahan has said that, don't get it twisted, we still want, want to run the football. So you have that, and then also you look at his approach to balance, to something that you want on, on offense. However, if a game calls for them to run the ball 30 times, they're going to do that. And I think what better way to be able to do that one necessary than to have a guy like Derrick Henry on the team. But conversely, if you're really trying to turn the page and move forward, can you do that with, with Derrick on the roster? Can you fight that urge to get away from the 
previous offense and just that luxury of turning around and handing the ball to 22 and knowing you're going to have a relative degree of success. Think so, about Rick, Mix and Buck, 64 targets this year, 75 last year. That's, yeah. you know, Derek's not coming close to that. Now, exactly. you could say you divide it up between he and, and Spears, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of management that goes on to that. And there's a lot of telltale stuff as to who's on the field and what you're going to do. And Rex, I feel like they never figured out how to use them both properly last year. Like it just felt like a cluster every time. And I know between Spears and Henry and, and there's, there's other things that they were working uphill against. We've talked about the wide receivers. We've talked about the offensive line. Obviously the fact that Derek was able to achieve a thousand yards behind this unit after putting 1500 yards <laughs> together last year, uh, with that group is it speaks to the the amount of gas that he's got left in the tank. But I, I think it, it's harder for some people, including myself, to envision because I saw them f- try and figure it out last year and really have uh, poor results for the vast majority of the season. Yeah, but it's it, it was this transitional year, too. I mean, it was still such a big reduction for Derek. And yet, like T.D. was saying, like it's I think it's hard – when it's like basically the carryover, I know it was a new, new OC, but they had been so reliant on him. You don't know yet exactly what you have in Taiji Spears. I think as the season went on, they found out more about that, right? I kind of liked it at times. I liked some of the stuff with them on the field together. And I think that, I mean, I think at times they did a pretty good job of not being completely predictable with that. But th- that's the big question with Derrick Henry. Well, two things. One, yes, I just – you know, are they okay with the fact he's not going out there and, and running a bunch of, you know, we know what he is. I mean, like Paul said today, he catches the ball facing the quarterback. You can throw a swing pass to him. You can throw a screen pass to him. You can use him as an outlet, but he's not, he's not going to go out there. You know, he's not running routes. He's not, there's part of the passing game that's not there. And then also how effective do you think he is when the volume is cut down even further, which I think it probably would be, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, like, if at some point does Derrick Henry become, like, a goal linebacker in this league? Like, I've said before, I'd love to see – I'd love to see Derrick Henry right now with Gus Edwards' role with the Ravens, and what the hell would that do to defenses, you know? But I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it would look, and that is, to me, the big question with him. Once the volume gets cut to a certain point, is the effectiveness worth a still pretty hefty price tag for a running back in this league? If you pass the set up – Go ahead, TD. Yeah, that, you want to pass to set up the run. And that's the flip that they have to make. And I think they will do that on the county. I think a good example of how they could use that tandem if Henry were to come back is you look at the Packers with Aaron Jones and when they yeah. had um oh man, what's his name? Big thighs, man. What's yeah. the dude's uh, name? Oh my gosh, come on. AJ Dillon. Right. When they had that that tandem rolling, I think that's a similarity, but because I, I think Aaron Jones and, and Tyson Spears are so similar to me when you watch the, them play. What's it like oh, for Henry like to wait for the bulk of his work for the late third and fourth quarter? You know, there's a lot of massaging. Derek Henry's a tough guy, could take it on the roll and stuff, but there's so much risk of insult as you approach him mm-hmm. about roll and finance and everything. Uh, you know, Rand's relationship stuff is supposed to be primo here, but you're talking about a guy that's been of a certain status for a long time and approaching him with a, a, a largely reduced status financially and role wise, while he might be being courted by one other team that's offering him something different. And it always sounds better on the other side. It, 
it's rife real with quick. potential problems. Yeah, real quick on that, Buck. I, I agree, but here's the thing. If someone really values Derrick Henry and wants to sign him, then there you go. That's it, right? But I think some of the insult gets taken away if he gets humbled on the open market. I mean, the open market is going to take care of some of that, right? Yeah, he's probably getting humbled. One one would think, but how how much, to, to PK's point, how much is he willing to be humbled given that he is one of the, the main faces of this infamous running back Zoom where they're declaring – you know, hey, we know what our value is but between Saquon and, and Derek and Zeke and all these other guys, these famous names that are, you know, seeing their market take a beating because of the nature of, of the game and the way that it's evolving. But there's no there's no other uh, franchise tag figure that has dipped the way that running back has. The market continues to shrink for them. So, you know, Saquon, Saquon I don't want to say that Saquon walked, walked it back. He said that he made a decision that was – in the best interest of him and his family when he when he decided to take that one-year $11 million deal or up to $11 million deal with the Giants. And, you know, now he again is unsatisfied with his situation. So there, there are a lot of difficult dynamics at play here for specifically the running backs. It's going to be fascinating talking points and, and writing points for for all of us in here and, and all of our uh, colleagues. But the, the Derrick Henry problem does not necessarily have a an easy solution. But to your point about Rand, um, Rand didn't take questions. He made a statement. Um, they promoted him to what reads like he is now the actual general manager here, but at the same time promoted Chad Brinker to the president of football operations. And correct me, you guys, if I'm wrong, is that not a position that is above the general manager as I understand it? Sure sounds By, like it, title-wise. Technically, it is. But from what I understand, this division and, and these this solidification, wow, to use the SAT word, it, it, it was it happened. The collaboration, TD. The C word yeah, is banned. I'm going to stay away from that. But the, the way it's set up now is to allow Rand Carthon to focus on look, what you do best is roster development and everything along those lines, the football stuff. You handle that, Chad Brinker. You got security. You got, you know, if it comes down to picking, okay, how are we going to set this room up or, or that? The operations, he handles that. But the luxury that they have is that Chad Brinker also has a very thorough football background. So it, it's one of those things where they could all come together, but there is a, a division of labor, so to speak. That's the understanding Which that I have. fine and makes sense. What doesn't make sense is giving him a president title while Rand has an executive vice president title, which is what GMs have had historically here when they've got to the the, the top rung of GM yeah. power here. And the president has been Jeff Diamond or Steve Underwood or or Burke Bert. Nihil. And so throwing right that now, president so, right. title in the mix weirds it up for me. But you know what, though? Also, remember in the release, they did say that that's a new position that they that they made, right? The president of football ops. So a lot of this is really literally splitting hairs. You know Why what I mean? EVP but I of football ops. And then they're at least I, it sounds. Yeah. Then you were kind of like, I, I get it. You're right there. You're right there. But I don't believe like Rand doesn't report to Chad. Rand reports to, to Amy. Chad yeah, doesn't necessarily report to Rand. He reports to Amy as well. So it's like you have two, it, it's like a train, right? Literally a wheel on each track and it's running like that. I think that's the, the way that it's it's working. 
So a couple questions on that. So first of all, because Chad Brinker wants to be a GM, right? So Chad, does this help yes. Chad Brinker become a GM? If if it's like, you know, obviously you got this big promotion, they think a lot of him, but also it's it's a little bit almost like he's being divorced from from that aspect of it, or at least that's how it was communicated. I, um, they did say he'll still be involved with football operations. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, with with football like on the field type evaluations and those things. That's the other and one. Then also the analytics obviously, machines. Yeah, because obviously yeah. we know Chad Brinker when Rand brought him from Green Bay, they talked about right some of some of his models that he's been working on. That's another thing I'd love to know more about where they are mm -hmm. on that. I do know that in the wake of all the Vrabel stuff, there was definitely on the Vrabel side of things like. I never heard what the heck this is or what they're doing with it. Or, right. So, you know, that's all the back and forth. He said, he said stuff in the wake of a firing, but I'm interested to know where that is. You know, what else was interesting to me in, in Rand's area of, of assignment was the sports science part of it. I, that was yeah. intriguing to me because this whole, what's happened over the, the last three years with a minimum of like 85 different players being used. It, it's, that has to be fixed. You can't continue to have that. So I yeah, wonder I'm, I'm who's going to it. take that over. And yeah, you made good points this morning about like the the, the strength uh, uh, group too. Well, the medical group. So Todd Torricelli's VP of sports medicine. Yeah, I medical. understand sports medicine and 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 the training are different, but they're the two prongs of this thing. If you're really examining the whole thing. Todd Torricelli gets examined as well, and and Rand just got power over medical, right? Just in this restructure, so there's no way they could be far along in this thorough examination. Yet they, to some degree, Todd Torricelli is one of the nine people Rand thanks for his involvement in the search. So you're involving one of the people who needs intense scrutiny in the hiring of the new coach. How does that make any sense? It, it it doesn't. It can't be explained to me. You're going to say, thank you, Todd, for your service in helping us hire Brian Callahan. Now go back to your office and we're going to come and turn your office upside down because we're looking for everything we could find on the medical end of things. Well, and it's just, it's because we we all four and everybody who, who covers this team get questions about the rate of injury. And it, it, it's a difficult thing to suss through, one, with the level of transparency or not transparency that we're getting, two, because we're not in the training rooms or the, the, the rehab. We, we're not seeing the rehab assignments that they're given other than when they let them loose on the third field that we're not allowed to look at and all these other things. So it's just such a nebulous – it's just such a nebulous thing among all the different stuff that they've tried to blur the lines on that we're trying to suss out that is so critically important to the success or frankly failure of what this football team has been across the last three years. I just don't think there's ever going to be a situation. One, Rand has to get up there and answer questions about it because these, I think, did we all not expect Rand Carthon to take questions yesterday? I, did, I yeah. thought he would, yeah. So, I, I presumed he wouldn't. Okay, well, that's uh, I. I had some level of expectation that he would, and then as soon as I saw the singular podium, I was like, "All right, this is going to be this is going to be all about the coach today." But uh, with with that said, they're not going to answer questions about how things were in the past. How they answer questions about what they're going to do in the future is the thing that fans should absolutely be queuing in on the most, because that I think is if they're going to if if Callahan is any indication 
of how open they're going to be in their responses, not not back talking or or trying to couch things like you mentioned earlier, PK. But that that is the place that they have to start first and foremost because they have to understand. They know that this is a problem that they have been dealing with that there have to be solutions to. And whether it's uh, medical advancements that they haven't implemented or stuff that was being presented to the previous coaching staff that wasn't necessarily being implemented, like whatever that issue is, they have to be more forthright with this, not just for us, not just for fans, but frankly for these players who continue to go through these injuries because there's this is this is a bad situation that they've been in. Agreed. Here's a time. question for you guys. Here's a question for you guys. Is uh, Brian Callahan, is this going to be a hearkening back to Malarkey and we're going to get like, full? yeah, you know, we got the fifth metatarsal and I'll be out three days and four hours. Are we going to get that? Are we going to get full injury disclosure now? It'd be a lot closer to that than it will be to Vrabel. But really, Brian Callahan's not going to get to decide that. Rand Carthon's going to decide that based on the structure. So as as we uh, as we look forward at Senior Bowl and things like that, now it's my understanding. I don't know if if, if you guys have heard anything different. Uh, Brian Callahan's not going to the Senior Bowl. He's going to hang back and do and put together the coaching staff. Was my understanding? Doesn't sound like they're going to be all that like well represented in yeah. Mobile, Alabama this week. I don't think there's been any determination. Ron, you the your plan? <laughs> oh no, I'm going regardless. Oh, but TD I, loves I, that I, thing on his own, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm going regardless. I, I, uh, I, I think Chad Brinker will be there. I'm not sure about everyone else. So yeah, yeah. So I think, I think you know, it, it had been discussed. Maybe Rain goes for a little bit, but not the full week. Whatever. Um, the thing that are are we good with the idea? that Brian Callahan and Rand Carthon, to some extent, whether it's foregoing the Senior Bowl entirely and, and delegating that, as we talk about delegation of roles, uh, to put together this coaching staff, is the coaching staff the biggest priority, first and foremost, of what lies ahead? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. In the Senior yeah. Bowl, you can watch eight. Teams missed the combine. Look, I I have access to the, to the Shrine practices, right? I'm not there, but rest assured... I'll be digging into that film. You know what I mean? In the senior bowl, you have the same thing. And then you also have to remember, you let your guys, a, a good leader, it lets the people who he hires to do their job, do their job. You have your, your area scouts. You have, you know, your, your director of, of, of uh, pro uh, player personnel. You have everybody in place to be down there and bring the feedback back to the uh, St. Thomas Sports Park. Is that not my dogs this time? Who my dog, that no, time? my dog said that's well. you. Okay. Oh, okay, so here's another question for you guys on this front. Uh, how many so questions are you going to ask? You just want to host another butt scroll. That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to. I don't, I don't ever get to answer questions. I feel like I talk way too much. This is a joy for me. Yeah, it's a oh, free flow conversation. I like to let you, you know, get get some shots for you. Um, they almost all their scouts are are holdovers. Are, are we going to finally? Are we going to see more of a transition this this off season? Is it time for some changes there post draft time sure. last year po post draft for sure i mean they let cowden run post the draft for more. sure like you you you're saying that you believe that or yes. you just think it should happen okay i don't know for sure for sure there's going to be there's going to be turnover now to what extent um you know that remains to be seen uh, i think it's been i know it's been emphasized to everybody that that was retained there's a difference between hired being hired and being retained i know that message has been thoroughly communicated and I'm I'm just curious to know like how who is addressing the scouts right who's addressing the rest of the front office structure right now is it Rand leading the discussions is it Brady is it a combination of both I don't 
PK, I don't know that that the that, that, that there has been that level of clarity communicated to the rest of the the rest of the people who are working under them right now. I really don't. Well, that's ridiculous. If they're giving us clarity on the structure and those guys aren't getting it, that that's a shame. They deserve clarity, but also some of them probably deserve to be fired after last year and Rand moved too slowly on that. I don't understand why. Here are the scouts that were either yes men for John Robinson or gave him bad guidance. Let's give him another year. Well, I, I think really what that was was a matter of instead of having a full group conform to you, let me see how I can conform to them. I think that's more or less what it was. It didn't work. So now it's time, like, especially on the pro level, because we know the degree of failure in, in multiple free agent signings, et cetera, et cetera. So it clearly didn't work there. So they're going to have to come to a different agreement and, and fix that. Yeah, somebody in the comments just said, whoever scouted Dillard has to be walked out of the door immediately. Dillard needs to be walked out of the door. But you know what, though? I'm not going to say that, because how many times have you seen – a first round, former first round pick, a team is like, you know what? That didn't work there, but I think change the scenery will work here and we could do something with them. You've seen that well, over like and over did. and over again. Well, you got you to gotta have a contingency. You, you can't you say have he's to, a yeah. starting Amen. Right Amen. The next best guy is, is Jalen Duncan. Is the rookie uh, six that, round pick. It's well, I guess the next best guy was Petit Ferrer, but he had that issue that, you know, between the suspension and the injury. Hey, he, well, he can be NPS, but he's no, he's no Kayshawn Boutte. I don't know how many of you are following that story. For, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That is insanity. Uh, so so as we get ready to put a bow on this uh, delightful podcast, we should do this more often, Jess. I don't think we've done anything like this since uh, uh, Kaharski and I watched Rex Road drink too many beers at a hotel room in the Combine and, and see how bad we can inflame his gout in real time. It's, it's been a well, little while. Right. If you think he's red now. He was as red as that logo in the middle of the screen that night. <laughs> hey, hey, before you go on, I want to see the comments. I got they got to be ripping in Kaharski in there somewhere, right? You like, literally have access to the comments right next to you, Glennon, for God's sakes. They have been rolling. There's 316 like people watching us live. I wish that you, if, if, if oh, you there we go. Comments. I was in private chat. Oh, my God. Look at all these beautiful things. <laughs> I, you know, I honestly, I, I haven't seen the comments at all. Well, I listen, just flipped we, over. We we love all of you. Thank I hope you there's for some watching. PK rips. Yeah, there are, there are plenty of there are plenty of People PK rips. There's there's more. Uh, well, somebody called him the voice of the fan, which he would not. Most people would not take as a rip, but Paul absolutely will. Um, God, don't get all these positive PK comments. I it backfired. PK on me. keeps it a thousand at pressures. That's right. We're That's filled. Right. We're filled with. I'll, I'll reason with that. Joshua Mullen says we feel like you talk too much too, Buck. Amen, brother. I, <laughs> I, I wish I wish people had stopped putting microphones in front of my face. I'm getting tired. But before we conclude here today, um, thank you, Bahamian Patel. Oh, for God's sakes! Now he's just reading his own good PR, and it's going to be unbearable the rest of the podcast. He's not used to so much positivity just being fed right to him. I screwed uh, this up. So okay, a little love from Stephen King. I appreciate you. Yeah, oh, you know, love for all of us on the show, man. Everybody's getting love except for me, which is typically how my shows work. So let's just uh, read the comments show, for a few minutes. Show of hands around the podcast before we end. How many of us, as we uh, do this thing Friday, January the 26th, 4.15 p.m. Central Time, how many of us are surprised that Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job right now? Yeah, absolutely. 
I'm surprised. Yeah. Uh, TD, you want to start? Yeah, I thought that he would get a job. I didn't think it would happen, you know, the next day or anything like that. But I figured when you look at the pool of candidates, I thought he would. But what we're seeing, honestly, is a transition from that domineering, like that dominating head coach that has a presence even in the front office. And I think that's what happened with Belichick and the the Falcons, uh, to be honest with you. I think that was the main hic hiccup there. PK? There's a move. Joe and I talked about it this morning. There was a great thread uh, by a guy who's not super popular, and I apologize, I, I don't have his name, but I've retweeted it. Um, a great thread about just moving away from a coach who's going to be dependent on replenishing his staff, not just like Mike Vrabel would have been repentant, dependent on replenishing an offensive coordinator if he had a successful one. But like, if you look at Nick Sirianni, uh, uh, he was a good CEO until he lost both his coordinators to head coaching jobs. And then there's just a huge amount of pressure on reestablishing your staff and a CEO reestablishing his staff has become less popular than getting a, a good head coach who can give you stability being his own staff at, at, at one thing, particularly offense. That's what we're seeing happening now. And that's why somebody like Mike Vrabel is not as popular a candidate as we expected. I still suspect next year when jobs like Giants and Eagles and Cowboys may come open, that he's more suited maybe to those ownership situations, those fan bases, and those grittier kind of teams, maybe. I, I don't know. I think you guys are – I agree. I, I'm surprised. I think the reasoning you guys gave is dead on. Here's a question. Sorry, Buck, I keep asking questions. <laughs> I don't care. Here. I'm happy to answer them. Would Mike Vrabel do the Dan Quinn no. and many other people and take a D.C. gig? No. Okay, let's say he sits out this year, gladly takes Amy's money for a year. Would he do it next year if they're to stay in the mix, stay in the cycle, stay – no, no way. It's head coach or he's doing nothing. I mean, I don't well, want to say no way, but like we, we all know this dude. I mean, this this is yeah. not a this is not a human being that's going to that's going to take that level of step back. I think unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, a lot of guys get humbled. Has to, has to absolutely be head coach defense, like the the offensive head coach is going to visit occasionally. They they almost That's have to put him in his own wing of the building. Like I just, yeah. I just, yeah. I, 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 That's hard to picture. Joe, Maybe Ohio I mean, State comes back into play yeah. for you finally, Joe. Ah, uh -huh. Well, I got I got a pretty strong vibe after all this happened that yeah that the nil thing has gotten so bad that he wouldn't do it. But who knows? Maybe if they if they lose the mission next year, they're going to fire Ryan Day. I, no, I, I, I don't. I would guess no too. For Vrabel, especially you know, I, I think it would be hilarious if he went to Michigan just because Harbaugh's out. But of course, that's not viable. Um, the the and this you know this is right now. This is this year. But the the answer that I got back on Vrabel in college was a resounding hell no. Yeah, again, college. Also, I, I hate when people say people college. There's yeah. one job. It's one job. It's Ohio State. It's not college. Of course, you wouldn't go back to college. Ohio State is one of the three, four jobs where you still pick whoever you want to play for you and you win in the portal and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think he would do either, but I'm just saying at like this point of year for now, if it doesn't materialize, as you said, PK, 
and one, those jobs don't come up or he doesn't get them. I, I, I think what, what TD said, I mean, it is so heavily now geared toward the, the coach who is not going to lose the offense because he lost his coordinator. Like we're about to find out about Dan Campbell big time in this league because he's about to lose his coordinator. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it. Maybe at some point Vrabel has to adjust his expectations a little bit too. I'll take a I'll take a turn asking a question. Will Buck apologize for foolishly saying that he I don't know, did you say you heard it? You said something about Vrabel taking a year off. The day before it came out, he was going to Atlanta, uh, to Los Angeles, was in the mix in Seattle, but you somehow thought he was in the mood to take a nap for a year. No, what I, I'm not going to apologize at all. In fact, is playing in, in that that he may want to stick to that narrative if he doesn't. He doesn't intend job. to take a year off. He's going to be forced to take a year off. Those are two the different way things. That, it that doesn't explained. mean he was definitely taking a job. I don't think Buck needs to apologize. No, the way that, that it was explained to me is he was given advice. <laughs> hey, chill out for a hot second. You don't need to dive right back into this. Belichick absolutely did. And, you know, I think the strategy that we saw from him was pretty indicative of that, Chief. He kind of slow played it. He wasn't in on these first round of interviews. He wasn't, he didn't do virtual stuff. Mike Vrabel made an appearance when everybody else was making their second round with teams. I don't think that was unintentional. I think it was Stephen strategy. King says you don't apologize. He thought he was going to come in and, and say, You've uh-huh. seen the scrubs. Now here comes the big boy. Wasn't because he said, Well, I'm really thinking about sitting out this year. Because because uh, it's good for me not to. What you think Mike Vrabel wants to not work? Doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to not work. Not not work, but I think he would do. I think he would thrive on television. God help us if he starts a podcast. I think that's when this what I thought. Was, that's that the thing. I, I said, man, he'd be good. He actually he did an appearance on uh, one of the ESPN shows a long time ago. They showed Vrabel with the sideburns and everything going, and he did a brief uh, player analysis. It was actually pretty cool. I'm all for them on TV if they'll fire somebody's ass who sucks. But if you can't just keep adding guys, is Fox going to have the eighth guy now standing on the – You have oh, to get please, a God. Put him on. So, put him on that tiny little desk. Put him right next to Herb. Put him right next to Uncle Urban. They can have a great time on Fox Sports. I want as many human beings crammed on that tiny little desk as Fox has as humanly possible. I'm pro- Fox NFL pregame is one of the worst pieces of television ever, ever produced. I don't bother to watch that. I don't watch pregame at all anymore. What are you watching pregame? We're working on something. I had COVID, and I I was watching playoff games. COVID because of your friend. Who? Who? Disease. Disease. Zero. (laughs) Go ahead, Paul. You can. can, Are you afraid to call people out now? Teresa Walker came into the press room. She spread COVID all over the place. Then she apologized. There we go. PK's getting all PK's getting all of his, uh, you know, all his anger out on whoever he needs to now. You think this is all of my anger? Well. Come on. No. It's all. It's all that we. For some more of my anger, tune in to Robbie and Rex on Monday. Okay, well, that you can listen to the two of these, the two of these uh, gentlemen on Robbie and Rex Road Monday morning. You can get the Talking with TD podcast wherever it is that you get your podcast, and of course, you can hear his appearances across the 102.5 The Game spectrum of shows. I have too many shows to count. You don't need to know where to find me. I'm always there for you wherever you need. Boys, uh, parting shots around the room. Anything before to leave the audience with before we go? Yeah, I got one. Perhaps. Yep, yep. I'm not going to ask you a question. If the Detroit Lions beat the 49ers, I'm going to get drunk. I would advise everybody else out there to get drunk because it means the world is ending. <laughs> and Joe will be red if he's drunk. I'll I'll promote 
Uh, Brian Callahan told us this morning on Robbie and Rex Road about coaching high school, a freshman in high school, uh, just two years before he wound up with Peyton Manning and what he learned from having to tell guys like how to get in a stance. Uh, I ran with that, talked to some of the kids that played for him in high school and, and the coach he worked under. That story's up at paulkuherski.com. Check it out. Yeah, that was pretty cool. So he was like, man, I can't tell you to go run a slant because you don't even know what a slant is. Like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine having to be uh, that level of teacher, but that's that's great. Uh, for me, you, you know, I'll focus on the Senior Bowl. We got that coming up. There's definitely a lot of coverage there. Um, I tell you, there's a group of prospects to really, really watch and some guys that could end up being the vice versa to whoever they pick at seven. Whereas like you look at Joe Alt, okay, Xavier Leggett is going to be there at the senior bowl and, and watching film of him. I thought of AJ Brown. I'm not comparing the greatness. I'm just comparing just the body movement and style of play. It's very similar. And then on, on the flip side, you know, if they go Roma Dunes there, Malik neighbors, there will be a guy there by the name of Jordan Morgan. He's the left tackle out of Arizona and he's a pretty athletic guy. I don't know if he goes in the first round at the tail end of it or the, the top of the second, but those are a couple guys that could be like the, like I said, the, the Robin to whoever is the first round pick. So that among other things we'll be watching. And there's a corner that I really like out of Penn State. His name is Johnny Dixon. He's long, he can play press I man, he can play zone. Yeah, Johnny Dixon. I'm gonna dig into more of his tape today. And uh, it's a luxury because you got Kalen King on the other side. So, yeah, man. Toronto, it's 4.30 on an off-season Friday. Take the rest of the day off. He's in. I mean, He's take the day off just watching film, man. You know, I, I, I enjoy that. So, it's not work. We're, well, it's uh, it's never work when we get to when we get to chop it up like this. Appreciate the audience. Appreciate the sponsors, Two Rivers Ford. Relax the back. We're making the podcast possible. Gents, we will do it again soon. Maybe we bring back the quad pod from time to time. This is a good time. Don't block the box. Lock your locks. God's sakes, get out of here.